Join us for a night of fine dining and entertainment as we announce the 2022 40 Under 40 winners. Running since 2002, the 40 Under 40 Awards program continues to recognise 40 of the state's leading entrepreneurs, innovators and future business leaders under the age of 40. Help us celebrate the exceptional young business achievers that are defining the future of our great state. Tickets available now at businessnews.com.au slash events. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. On the back of reporting by Business News this week, that Synergy had selected a buyer for the South Fremantle Power Station and that Western Power would not be moving its nearby switchyard. Today, Senior Journalist Matt McKenzie sits down with our close of business to analyse and give context to the deal that could form a major part of the Coburn Coast redevelopment. But first, here's the news you need to know today. Premier Mark McGowan has locked in March 3 as the date for quarantine-free travel into WA, with the mask mandate expanded and capacity limits returning. It comes as the state hit more than 700 active cases today, with no hospitalisations. Earlier, it was reported the state's health department had predicted WA would have a lower Omicron infection peak than previously anticipated. Mr McGowan said travel would be allowed from March 3 for triple vaccinated Australians, while international arrivals would need to meet Commonwealth requirements and pass a rapid antigen test. That follows calls by the state's opposition to reopen on or before March 5 and is almost four weeks later than the government's original February 5 date. Mr McGowan said COVID-19 cases had stepped up in recent days and continued growth would be expected in the days ahead. In regions with community spread of COVID-19, the two square metre rule will return in hospitality venues, places of worship and cultural venues from next week. The announcement came just hours after it was revealed the number of Locally acquired COVID-19 cases in WA had risen by 194 overnight, more than four times the number of community infections reported just three days ago. In a statement released by WA Health, it confirmed the state had recorded 202 new cases, only eight of whom were returned travellers. The number of local cases represents a significant jump from the 62 recorded on Monday and the 115 recorded on Wednesday. And Perth Airport has won its lengthy court bid to retrieve aeronautical fees from Qantas Airways, with the airline expected to have to pay more than $9 million following a Supreme Court decision this morning. Justice Renee Lemire handed down orders featuring various airfield, terminal and freight costs, which would form the basis upon which the sum Qantas will have to pay Perth Airport should be calculated. For the most part, the costings are understood to align with those submitted by Perth Airport, while also finding favour with arguments Qantas had made during the court action regarding the accelerated depreciation at Terminal 3. The stoush began in 2018 when Perth Airport took Qantas to court, alleging it had only paid $16.5 million of the $27.8 million it owed for the use of its services, leaving $11.3 million owing. The legal action followed 18 months of negotiations between the two parties, who had been attempting to reach a new aeronautical services agreement before the previous deal expired. But the pair couldn't agree. Perth Airport began sending Qantas invoices in line with the proposed rates, but the airline responded by short paying the monthly bill. 
During today's electronic hearing, which was attended by Perth Airport Chief Executive Kevin Brown, both parties filed competing orders, with the biggest dispute arising over who should foot the bill for the lengthy court battle. In a statement released this afternoon, Perth Airport indicated its expectation was that Qantas would be required to pay more than $9 million. Mr Brown said Perth Airport looked forward to the resolution of all outstanding payments and moving forward with the airline as the aviation sector emerges from the challenging pandemic period. Period. Qantas Group said the court-ordered payment, which will be finalised in the coming weeks, would still be significantly lower than the $11.3 million Perth Airport initially demanded. We'll be right back. We understand that business relies on being informed. That's why Business News is your most reliable source of news, industry insights and business connections. To stay fully informed, we encourage you to subscribe to our emails, flick through our magazine and visit businessnews.com.au for daily news updates. It's the best way to ensure you have the information you need to be future ready. Business News. More news, more insights, more connections. Matt, redevelopment of the South Fremantle power station dates back to about 2009 when the Coburn Coast Master Plan was released. Uh, there's been significant redevelopment in the area. I'm thinking of residential developments in Coogee, uh, but the old power station has sat derelict for the past decade. Now, this past week, there has been some updates as to what's going on there. Can you talk me through what those updates are? Yeah, so Synergy selected a buyer for the old South Frio power station, but they won't reveal who. Basically, they've said that it's a conditional agreement, and um, at this stage, uh, it's commercial incompetence, which is interesting for a few reasons. The, the first one is there was a lot of hoopla um, in the middle of last year when this process actually started. The you know Synergy ran a very quick expression of interest process. It was less than two weeks. They apparently had a lot of expressions of interest. Uh, there was a bit of confusion, um, you know, in terms of the reporting around how exactly this all got started. So it's understood that, um, that someone approached the government looking to redevelop it. And the, as, as I recall, the way that they approached it, they didn't meet the standards of a market-led proposal. So the government opened an EOI process. Um, and then it went, it was a very quick EOI process and the idea was they'd select someone in September. Uh, well, it's many months on since September and they have selected someone, but they don't want to reveal who it is. There's a few observations about this. I mean, uh, commercial incompetence is a fair enough thing, but you would think that commercial incompetence applies to the terms of the agreement, not the name of the counterparty. And if you think of infrastructure contracts, when uh, you know, a Metronet rail project is awarded or a new road project, quite often the government is quite happy to say that they've picked a preferred bidder and say who it is. Um, most of the government or all of the government's tenders are, are on a public website um, where you can go on there and see who, who won them um, and the value of the contracts for, for the state government. I think there's something similar for the federal government. So it's unusual that, the, that a decision like this is shrouded in such mystery, uh, which, which leads people to draw all sorts of conclusions from it. 
Now, the other thing about it is, you know, Synergy are using the commercial incompetence clause very, very widely. So, for example, when I say, well, how many expressions of interest did you receive? They will say, well, it's commercial incompetence. I'm not an expert on, in commercial law by any stretch of the imagination, but what I do know is that Bill Johnston was uh, tweeting uh, a news article last year that Synergy had had 12 expressions of interest in 24 hours. So can't be that commercial incompetence, the number of expressions of interest they've had. So this has um, generated a lot of speculation. We wrote about it uh, on Friday, and it ended up in 6 p.m., I think, uh, earlier this week. Shadow Energy Minister um, David Honey has said that they welcome a redevelopment, but the secretive sale process reflects poorly on the Labor government. Um, and just because, Jordan, it was driving me up the wall, I decided I would push a little bit further this week. Um, across the... Across the uh, across the way from the South Rio power station is a substation uh, operated by West Power. And if you look at the master planning documents, it's, in, it, it's not required that this substation is moved, but the intention is that the substation should be moved. Um, just to, to come back to that point in a moment, looking at the East Perth power station development, which we might talk about a bit later, um, to redevelop that, the state government is moving the Western power substation from there as well. So. Um, there's a bit of a history of when there's a redevelopment of a power station that you have to move the substation. And in this case with South Rio, I checked in with Western Power and they said they had no immediate plans to move the substation, um, which is interesting. So uh, it's, it's potentially, you know, it's potential that development could go ahead with the substation remaining there. I don't think that's what the Coburn Coast Master Plan vision had originally intended. Um, and one wonders if you're going to have high-value luxury or whatever it is, residential apartments with a, um, with a buzzing uh, power substation next to them. Synergy won't reveal the name of the buyer, but Matt, can you reveal who the name of the buyer is? Well, what I can tell you is that uh, I believe it is not any entity uh, related to Andrew Forrest. I believe it is not any entity related to Adrian Finney. I have heard rumours um, from a couple of different sources that it is an entity related to Kerry Stokes, um, but I can't confirm that. Um, and so far, uh, I have not received um, uh, you know, any confirmation or denial uh, from Australian Capital Equity. And you know, Matt, business dealings with the state government have been criticised before, most notably when Mike Nahan was in state parliament. He spoke about this subject and there's been some coverage from the nine newspapers about it. Can you talk to me about some of those business dealings that have been criticised? So there have been a few that, that have been criticised in the media and we can, we can go through them. Um, so one was the East Perth Power Station, which um, is, uh, I believe, Tatarang, uh, and, uh, that, which is Andrew Forrest, and a Kerry Stokes entity related to Australian Capital Equity. Um, so that's a, that's a redevelopment. We can come back to that one in a moment. Um, there was the Waitsia Gas Project um, in the Perth Basin. Come back to that in a moment as well. There was the West Track Caterpillar um, Automation Training Facility in Collie, uh, which is another one. Now, personally, I, um, I've read Kerry Stokes' biography, and I think he's a legendary Western Australian, personally. Um, you know, you read his story about growing up, uh, you know, I, think with, I think it was with foster parents in Victoria, um, you know, starting out. Uh, working in a shearing shed as a teenager and all the rest of it, and to become a billionaire, an incredible, an, an inspirational success story. Um, but, you know, these, um, these deals have earned criticism, possibly because of the way the government's handled them. Um, just thinking about the East Perth Power Station, this is a complicated thing. 
And to go off on a tangent to perhaps illustrate my point, Jordan, if you or I could pay someone $5,000 to take over our hex debts, we would probably quite gladly do it because it would end up saving us money in the long term. So if it is the case that the South Rio power station or the East Perth power station, if it is you know, the, the rehabilitation cost and contamination, potential contamination, um, uh, the, the heritage, to, to fix up the heritage issues around the site, if those costs are likely to be very, very large, then it may well be in the government's interest to move this asset on to someone else. Um, and, uh, and that might even be with that party paying a very low price. Uh, and then it still might be in the government's interest, depending on exactly how much the rehabilitation costs and the dealing with the heritage would be, it might still be in the government's interest to move the substation um, and pay for the substation to be moved. And in the case of East Perth, you know, there's like a, they need to build a new... Uh, there's, there's gas works that need to be moved and, and all the rest of it. So they need to get ATCO to do that. Um, it may well be reasonable for the government to, to chip in to do those things, but it's hard to assess if all of the details of the deal um, aren't going to be made public. And so what you don't want is to be in a situation where the government pays, um, you know, a large cost or whatever, um, and the people who buy the project earn um, sort of a super, super profits, if I can use an economic term. If they, if they earn a really large return from it, then the government's not got the best deal. But on the other hand, if the government is disposing of an asset which might have just brought huge costs, then perhaps it is a wise thing to do to dispose of it um, very cheaply. So it's hard to assess, right, particularly with the information we have. Now, with the example of the Waitsear project, um, Beach Energy, which is um, partly owned by Kerry Stokes, and Mitsui are behind that project. Um, and uh, about 18 months ago, the government said, we are going to ban exports of onshore gas with one exemption, which is for this Waitsear project. Now, um, banning exports of onshore gas um, is probably not necessarily a very wise move, which is why they've walked back from it gradually since then. And what they're doing now is they're working on um, a framework for who should be given exemptions. They probably should have done that originally because it would have led to a lot, a lot less speculation in the media. But there's a, there's a decent reason why the Waitsear gas project was given an exemption. It was given an exemption because the, uh, where the gas is being sent through a swap deal to the Northwest Shelf, they're gonna have huge extra capacity in the middle of the decade. And they were running, getting into a situation where they were running the risk of having to shut down LNG trains, which would, be, uh, which would you know, mean a problem for jobs um, and it would mean lower exports for the state. So there was a good economic argument um, for allowing weights here to export through Northwest Shelf Venture. I might say there's a good economic argument for allowing anyone to export. Um, obviously, that wasn't the government's view. Um, and so because the government initially gave an exemption to just one company, again, it led to a little bit of speculation in the media. So in the case of the West Track facility, if it's one of the very few um, training centres for autonomous, um, for, for working with autonomous vehicles in the world, then the Southwest Development Commission and Collie might um, well be uh, willing to find um, a way to get in a little bit of extra money to make sure that they can get the project there. I can totally understand that. So in each of these circumstances, there's, there's an argument as to why the government might have made that decision. Uh, I think the trouble is um, when you sort of line them all up uh, and if you're not able to respond to questions about it all convincingly, um, then you do get people asking questions. And as you've said, the nine papers have done so. There have been speeches in Parliament about it. And in WA, we have a history um, of, you know, 
big business and governments being very close, which has caused problems. So I think people are more attuned to being concerned about it. Um, so again, in, in the case of the South Fremantle power station, um, you know, fair enough, it might well be that the government is going to be um, saving themselves the rehabilitation cost. They might get a really beautiful development out of it and a really good outcome. But golly, it does no one any favours if you want to be really secretive about who the buyer is. Um, and I can't think of many examples, uh, to be honest with you, where the government has done a fair tender or expression of interest process and they've been so secretive about who the buyer is. But I guess um, if it is as we suspect, we will soon see a beautiful render of what the building would look like on the front page of a local newspaper, Jordan. Well, Matt, I, I can exclusively reveal to you as, a, as an aid to your stories that I am not the buyer of this site, unfortunately, much as I would otherwise like to be. <laughs> uh, great coverage of this because, as you've said there before, uh, I don't know how many other people are looking at this one, uh, and it would be good to, to see other journalists following this as closely as you do. Matt, thank you so much. Cheers. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to e-editions, articles by category, as well as our advanced data and insights search function to find projects, people and companies. It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au slash app download on the App Store or get it on Google Play now. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.